Welcome to episode 893 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 893 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Holmes. How you going, mate? Pretty good. Have you haircut? Yeah, <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah, oh, you're very noticeable in my haircuts. Yeah. You know, what, probably every six weeks or so. It's, it's, a, goodie. So, it's, a, it's a goodie. It's a goodie, yeah. yeah. I was a bit worried when I got it. a bit greyer. Yeah, there's a bit the of grey happening there, isn't it? It is coming through. I had my first grey here the other day, but you're, you're a bit ahead of me. Mm, are you no. going to colour it? No. No, no. no. You're going to go grey? Yep. Yeah, committing. Those years of not facial moisturising starting sharp too below the eyes a little bit, you know, starting to. Get well, a I think it's wrinkly. not so much facial moisturising; it's being in the sun. Because mm. you spend a lot of time in the sun, wouldn't you? Yeah, compared to most. Compared to most. Yep. Got to get your vitamin D intake. Yeah, you do. Mm. Yep. The six hours probably. Is yeah. What do we speak? Although, to but you're wearing clothes. Yeah. <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> yeah. Every Christmas, every New Year, where we go camping, one of our uh, guys, Mark Rippon, he's a bit of a character. He does a nudie bike run around the camp course at midnight on, on oh New Year's gosh. Eve. And it's always very funny. <laughs> goes, oh. He just goes into the room, comes out naked, and jumps on the bike, rides the whole course. Oh, and the whole campground's laughing. <laughs> anyway, I'm talking proudly brought to you by our patrons. Jumbo, who you going to go first? Matt Lion Brown Charlton. We've got Luke, the cover Parker. And Aaron Taunton Nelson. What's Taunton? Taunton is a, a one of those characters out of Star Wars, oh. uh, which was on the Empire Strikes Back, I think it was. And you know when they started the movie, and it's one of those ones that Luke Skywalker cuts open, those big sort of white Do you know things. What? I've never seen Empire Strikes Back. <sighs> don't know what you're missing out on. Get yeah, on. they say it's the best one, don't they, of the first three? Oh, I like Return of the Jedi, but but it was good. I think it's, it's our age. Because mm. I think Return of the Jedi is actually pretty bad mm. for Ewoks. That's, you know, if you're, if you're, but of our age, that was the first one you saw at the movies. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I've probably told you the story, but I was at school one day. So we, I think it was like, when did it come about? 83? I keep going. I guess, so 83, 84. So I'm six or seven and I get a call from, my, my principal comes into my class, says, Bevan, you need to go home, home, there's a family problem. Oh, that's right. And your dad took you to the movies. And dad took me to Return yeah. of the Jedi's. Came out on 25th of May, 1983. I guess so, yeah, I was six. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so he took me from school and took me to Return of Jedi. It probably didn't come out in New Zealand until about 85, though. Yeah, it was a bit like that back in those days. Anyway, uh, uh, this week's show, we've got some news. Hot Topic of the Week, which was quite well, lots of lots of people were talking about it. Uh, age Group of the Week, we've got an interview. Yep, we've got a short interview on sweat testing and sweat rates, so we'll discuss that a little bit. Uh, high five, winger of the week, and questions and answers at the end. Not a huge amount of news this news this week, but we did have the short course men's race. Now I want to know the results. I want to talk about. It. So what John's saying is, if you haven't watched it, pause, come back in. We'll say five minutes. This is the World Triathlon Championships Grand Final in Pontevedra in Spain. And John says it's a cracking race. And if you if you like watching races, pause this. Fast forward five minutes. Wait, I'll put a timer on. <laughs> I've got five. You're giving me five minutes to talk about this. Wait a second. Let me go right now. Okay, starting. So you can fast forward time five minutes from. Wait a second. Five, four, three, five minutes from now. Righty ho. So I was on the bike on Sunday morning, starting at seven thirty, and this race had finished over in Spain at about four twenty. With Triathlon Live, the coverage is 
when the live coverage finishes, it takes them a few hours normally to get this, get it up. And I was like, it's not there, it's not there. So you're doing an indoor trainer waiting indoor for Indoor trainer waiting yep. for it to come in. And I was on a time schedule. I had to be finished by about 9.30 and uh, started watching South Africa versus Ireland rugby. Good game. Keep checking. And it's, oh, eventually it came on, maybe at about 8 o'clock or probably a little bit after 8. I was like, oh, I'm going to have to fast forward quite a bit of this to, to, to get it in. Yep. But holy shit balls. If you watched the race last year at Abu Dhabi, this is like a carbon copy. You're going into it. I would have said this last week. It's like Alex Yee versus Hayden Wild. Yep, no it's probably they might they might get a bit left behind on the bike, but it's probably going to be between those two. Last year they both of them had a complete mozza and balls it up. This year they both did the same so again. What happened? So they both to start with they both had really shitty swims, like really shitty. They were not last, but they were right at the back, which like is not 50th. usual, is it? They're often mid middle of the field towards the tail, but that's like really bad. And, and so was there a reason? Uh, I haven't seen any reason at this stage. It was a non wetsuit swim. Um, so anyhow, you're thinking, oh, well, this might come together. It might not. But even so, I still think they'll probably be able to get back in the mix. But they did come out of the swim together. And so you're thinking there's a bit of horsepower there and the Blumenfeld was nearby. So they'll probably ride up to the front. Yep. And then um, after one lap, Hayden Wild must have just absolutely annihilated it on the first lap of the bike because he made up huge time and Alex G was out the back door. So it was race over for Alex G for okay. sure. Okay, so you're thinking if Hayden get to hit, he's winning championships. Yeah, and their group was closing in on the front group and you're thinking even if they don't catch him, he should be sweet. And then you hear midway through the bike, Hayden Wild's got a 15-second penalty. I'm still thinking he's got this. Come off the bike and I think he was... Now, there was a bit of a problem with the penalty. Yep, we'll get to that. He was, I think he was about 50 seconds down at the end of the bike. Yep. I'm thinking 50 plus 15, he might not quite get to the front for the win. Now, did I, he, what, what did he have to get to win the championship? Well, that was that, that's what makes this race so amazing. It was just like last year. You didn't know what the hell was going to happen until literally the sprint finish. Oh, really? Uh, so it was when the first guy crossed the line, then you knew what was going to happen okay. because all sorts of permutations could have meant he was still world champion. He ended up being second overall because he managed to run himself up to 10th. But I think he didn't actually run particularly well. Or he ran well, but he ran the same pace as the guys at the front, yep. um, even factoring in his 15-second penalty. Okay. Normally, he would run 30 to 60 seconds quicker than them. Okay. Um, but because he had to do so much work, I'm imagining that's why he didn't run quite as well. And if he ran 60 seconds faster, he's what? He's probably well, if he hadn't got the pe- If he hadn't got the penalty, that's 15 seconds. In theory, you would say then he would have finished uh, three places higher and then he would have won the title. If the guy that had got second had won the sprint finish, they both had the same time, then he would have won the title. So there's all sorts of permutations happening. So he got the penalty. Initially, it was, they said, you know, it's equipment out of the box. And I'm thinking, oh, it's kept fell off. That's you right, yeah. moron. Yep. How could you not put your stuff in the box? Um, but when you see the replay, yeah, he, his he just cap, stopped it, didn't he? His cap, for some reason, he took his cap coming off out of the swim. And it looked to me like a number of people's caps were coming off in the swim. They Maybe they weren't great fitting. And so he'd come out of the swim and he'd taken his cap off and then he dropped it and it fell on the floor. And, and he did he know he back, dropped it? Yeah, and he didn't go back and pick it up. And so, and it was almost probably, almost fell in the water. And if it had fallen in the water, he would have been okay. Oh, because really? I, I believe that if your cap comes off in the water, then you're okay. Just throw it in the water. So he didn't go back and get it. And that's why he got the penalty. That's probably a wise move, but because if, if you're trying to chase the pack, well, that was his rationale. Yeah. He said, "If I'd gone back to pick it up, it's I would have missed. I would have missed the the group. I reckon he still would have made it across. But anyway, 
Second year in a row has happened. He's got a little bit of a theme of these uh, of incidents happening. He had the helmet incident in the yep. Commonwealth Games. He's he had, had this one. Super, super, super League, League, League a couple of weeks ago. Hopefully it's not a theme. He'll, he'll just be absolutely kicking himself. So... What actually ended up happening in the race? Brilliant race in terms of the Frenchies are just absolutely crushing. I thought they were going to go one, two, three. They ended up going one, three, four. So it was four. sprint finish because they all had the same time. Sprint finish, yeah. Massive wow. sprint finish. And the guy who was fourth um, was you know, only just dropped in the, the very end. So as I said, if Tim Halwig from Germany had won that sprint finish, um, Hayden Wild would have been the world champion. As it turned out, Dorian Connix took it out. Uh I, I was pretty confident he was going to win. He's got a beast of a sprint. And yeah, he hasn't. Yeah, in terms of his record this year, hasn't won any races. He's been really good and consistent. Comes through, brings home the bacon, bonus points in the last race. Wait a second, John. We're at the five minute mark. So no, no, we'll keep going. But if you've just come back, another five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) We've we've touched on the girls. We've pretty much uh, talked about the boys because we need to talk about overall champion. Yep. Okay, so come back in five minutes. <laughs> uh, We're a podcast. We don't want you listening to us. <laughs> we'll play again. So Dorian Connix uh, took it out and, yeah. So what happened with the championship overall? So then he wins. Hayden Wilde second. Oh, Connix uh, takes the overall. Overall as well. He wins the race and he wins the overall title. Now, where would you say he sits on the pedigree of the, like he's a champion, but. Um, it was a bit like last year. Uh, up until this race, he hadn't won a race this year. His results have been a fourth, a fourth, a third, uh and a, and a win. Really? Uh, so I, I like this. This for two years in a row, whoever has performed the best at the grand finale has taken the title. So it's um, kind of a mix because we've always said, do you have a one-off day or you have what they have nowadays? Mm. But the kind of double points actually makes it a bit of the best of both it's worlds. It's not double. It's about one and one, maybe one point five. But enough to make it's a difference. It's enough to make a difference. I'd actually prefer it if it was double. Then it would really make a big difference. Because it's the best five races, isn't it? Uh, I think it's it might be five. It's either it's either four plus the grand finale or it's three plus the grand finale. Okay. So good on him. You know, he's um, what this I think will have done has completely shut the door for Vincent Louis uh, in terms of making the Olympic team because they've got three guys now who have consistently been in the top five. Uh, yeah, well, they got pretty top much three, races. top four here in the top four. Yeah, yeah. and they did the same at the Paris, Olymp- uh, Paris Test event. So I think for Vincent Louis. So what happens to Louis now? Because well, when, does, when does he make that call? Well, he doesn't. He, he'll keep going. He'll keep trying. They'll have to make a selectors call. I'm not sure how many of these guys have got their automatic selection. So some teams are already wrapped, completely wrapped up. I'm not quite sure what the French policy is. Um, I thought like at 70.3. Sorry? Has he done 70.3? Yeah, he's not. He's okay. Yeah. What long? What do you reckon? Uh, well, he's got all the credentials there. He's like, he's amazing at all three disciplines. Um, so he's a really well-balanced athlete. Someone said, and it was bang on the money the other day, uh, it's a shame for him the Olympics didn't happen in 2020 because he probably would have won. Oh, he was really? the best athlete around then. And now, a few Just years timing. later, lots of injuries. That's the thing, because eh? the four-year cycle, mm. look like, what, what sport's going to two years? Or like, like cricket now, do two years for uh, the mm. 2020. Now, cricket's a bit different to triathlon, but there is these people who just get the timing of careers is not quite oh, right. yeah. You know, mm. and Louis is a good example of that. If we, had, As you said, if we had 2020 Olympics, mm-hmm. where, where, where were 2018, were they? Sorry? Were they 2018? Well, no, they were supposed to be 2020, but then they got pushed because of COVID to 2021. Um, so, geez, that sucks for him, doesn't it? Yeah, and it's you know it's similar to the Kona situation for people like Fredino and stuff. You know, there's yeah. possibly a couple of titles there that he missed out on because of because uh, of Kona. So, what happened to Yi? Yi just completely bombed. He was in the group that was ended up being 
more than two minutes off the back um, and got 30th place or something. So financially, big hit for some of those dudes. I mean, um, yeah, you know, the, 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 the series points counts for a lot and every place you're losing is, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. Okay, so let's go over the females race. So the females race, um, POMS? Not, well. not, yeah, females race, to be honest, relatively straightforward. Um, nothing too exciting Nothing there. surprising? No, no. Uh, well, the surprising was uh, was second place. That was definitely really surprising. Kate, I, I read it as war, but I think they often say waff. Um, so maybe it, is, maybe it is waff. Yep. Uh, but I, she had an amazing race, real, world under twenty three champion, finishing in second place. And oh, really? So she's the up and Well, yeah, she won the last round of Super League as well. So <clears throat> she's. Um, I didn't realize she re- didn't realize she ran that well. I knew she was a good swim biker, but um, that was pretty impressive. So yeah, the women's race it was always between Beth Potter and Cassandra Bogrand, and Bogrand didn't have an amazing run. She was cr- said she was cramping, um, but I do have to give some credit to uh, Rachel Klamer who finished in fifth place. So she has sealed her ticket with that to the Olympics, and it's her fourth Olympics um, that she's gone to. I don't know if there'll be many athletes that will have done that in triathlon. There might have been one or two. Like like a Polish kind of, you know, one of those random countries. and like there was that guy, um, Colucci, Ronaldo Colucci from... um, who was he from? Brazil, I think it was. Uh, or And he maybe he did it. And, and there's maybe a few other, as you said, from random countries. There's um, Barbara Riveros from Chile. Like, she's probably the only athlete they've ever had. And yeah. she, she went to several Olympics. Well, and, and what's cool about um, uh, Rachel Klamer is that she's done well. So 36 in the first time, 10th in the second, got fourth in the third. Mm. Now, is she content? Or is um, it a bit kind of long in the tooth now? Well, she got fourth last time. I, I thought she's a bit past it, and she's not as old as I thought, so she must have started really young. She had a, she lost a sprint finish the weekend before last, I think it was, uh, to Gwen Jorgensen over um, in a World Cup race. So certainly, yeah, the women's side of it is a bit unpredictable at the moment, yeah, because you've got oh, oh, a few pe- five minutes. Oh, there we go. Okay. We're, uh, we're, we're, okay, so you guys probably, the women's race, we're not, we're not spoiling too much. Beth Potter took it out. Oh, Pretty, so it's <laughs> so sorry. Sorry? So what if they didn't want to know the result? Yeah, well, tough. tough should should have watched it live. Um, <laughs> Beth Potter took it out. Kate War, War second. And Screw Cassandra you. Bogrand was uh, in third place. But wait, wait, if you want to pause and you don't want to know the World Championship rankings. Yeah. So in the men's, the rankings were who? We had uh, Dorian Connick's first, Hayden Wild second, Leo Bergier third. And then the females. And on the female side, how do Beth I go? Potter. Beth uh, Potter took it out. Uh, in front of Cassandra Bogrand and Emma Lombardi in third place. It's good. Yeah, we've got some... Gwen Jorgensen got 43rd. I can't believe that she... She was with the, the second group and she just got dropped. I'm like, she must have lost so much power because it was a massive group. Yep. And she got see, dropped by a big group. Oh, you can see it dangling on the back and it's not like it was a particularly challenging course. Yeah, there was a bit of a hill each lap, but it was, you know should be able to keep up and that's i'm not being nasty to her no. but she must have lost so much power just in losing the weight from running yeah i guess so. i mean she was, was she was really lean anyway well she was so she was lean even before she went to I can't oh yeah she's always type. she was always a, a really um had a really had a runner's build so yeah i think that is all over for gwen jorgensen there's no way she's making the team but there's going to be some Again, as with every Olympics, going to be some really interesting selections coming up um, because a lot of countries have 
got maybe four and four doesn't go into three if they've got three athletes or three into two. Uh, so yeah, like the German females have all got their automatic slots all done and dusted. So, oh, really? Um, if you didn't perform at this race or at the the um, the test event, they, there's an, three athletes that met the automatic criteria. So if you were bit injured or say you were like Vincent Louis and you couldn't make a start line for any German females it's all over over so in the history of triathlon since the Olympic period name the number one male and female athlete who didn't make it who were just unlucky because of qualification um any uh, country uh so I'm thinking Mecca 2000 you know, there was quite a few Aussies like in 2000 that didn't make the but team Mecca was the world champ wasn't he uh, he, no, he was world champ in 97, oh, okay. I think okay. it was. 90, yeah, somewhere around there. He was definitely one of the best performing athletes. So I think in those early games, there was lots of Australians when they were just crushing it. Like they probably had 10 of the top 20 athletes in the world. Oh, really? Uh, it, was, it was just, yeah, they had so many. These days, um, who's been a really good athlete that hasn't made it? Oh, I'd have to do a bit of research and give that a bit of thought. Okay, we well, like uh, the last Olympics, this is a, she wouldn't wouldn't have been a, a medalist, but like someone like Taylor Spivey, consistently in the top five at races and stuff, didn't make the team. Um, but I don't think, in terms of somebody who could have actually won the race, can't nobody springs to mind. So it'd be the early eighties, the Australians in the early eighties of ninety two thousand. Uh, two thousand, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like Mecca not going to the Olympics was a bit of a shock, wasn't it? Well, yeah, yeah. They they just had selection criteria, and he didn't meet. It. I don't think it was uh, Emma Emma Carney. She was definitely one. She was a bit past it by the time two thousand came around yep. as well. Um, but you know, a few years prior to that, she was like invincible. Well, it's interesting if you go back to the Legends podcast we've done with a lot of those athletes. They all thought they were going there, and they all mm. thought they were going to win the medal. Even Greg Welsh. Mm. You know, I remember doing an interview of him, and he was saying. Man, I thought I was going to the Olympics, and I thought I had a really good chance. And he was probably a bit longer than two for that stage. Well, I think he won the test event the year before, 99 oh, maybe, I think. What's Welsh like as a short horse guy? Uh, pr- pretty pretty hot if he, he was a hot runner. Um, he was a pretty shitty swimmer. So, was but if he was in contention, even near contention coming off the bike, he was uh, pretty good. But he didn't do a lot of World Cup racing. He was he was sort of more into the iron distance or long distance by that stage. But um, yeah, he wasn't. A, he did a lot of non-drafting, a lot of stuff in the states. Didn't really do the World Cup circuit like a Brad Bevan, Hamish Carter. He won Ironman World Championships once. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, did he did he win many other Ironman around the world? Uh, I'd have to do my research on that. It doesn't don't don't recall him being prolific. Yeah, I remember when he because when I did Kona, which is what two thousand and three or four, um, he got his Hall of Fame, and uh, the the person who did the intro it might have been Paul Newby Fraser. He was a bit. It sounds like he never really took it that serious. Mm. And then for the Kona, when like he'd, he'd often be the guy stay late at night watching TV mm. and stuff, and then, and then the year he did Kona was that he's. Obviously, he just thought, no, I'm going to give it a shot. Mm. And uh, and he took it really serious that time and he managed to take it out. Um, yeah. So he was obviously very talented, but maybe one of, was one of those athletes who didn't he, do he the 100%. He was really good at the, um, the Super League type stuff, the, oh, the Grand the Prix stuff. Yeah. He was really good at that. And a character for the sport too, wasn't he? Good Absolutely. Guy. Real nice guy. Okay, we had a few halves happen over the weekend, so let's have a look at some of the quick results from the halves. Hey, we had 70.3 in Augusta. Paula Finlay took that out, uh, holding off t- fast-running Tamara Jewett. And Mika Nude, who we had on the show, he, he's had a real rough run. I think we interviewed him last year after he finished fourth at the World Championships, uh, 70.3 Worlds. Didn't race again until the Asian Open, so finished that in October. Didn't race again until August because of injury. They did the Asian Open. In the PTO race finished 12th and then uh, yeah took out Augusta beating out uh, Lionel Sanders and um, 
and Jackson Laundry. Um, Sanders hasn't done much recently, has he? He hasn't been the dominator that we often see. Not, not like this was the distance where he did kind mm. of really dominate. He's um, still going well, but he's not No, but not dominated. right where he was. Cool to see in Cosimo. We had a Kiwi, Hannah Berry, yeah. on top, beating out Sarah Crowley. Um, I imagine they're both getting ready for Kona, so doing a bit of heat prep over there. Tony Rodriguez uh, took out the boys. Challenge San Marino, Magna Nuvolt took that out with Maximilian Spiel, and then... God, Tamara Jewett, that was the weekend before. She's done two 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 weeks back-to-back. She won Michigan the week before. So you make your money. Just do lots of races and win them all. That's right. So we had a, a rally, race happen in Chattanooga. Now, was this an age group only, John? Age group only. So yep. let's go the male and female only. So male, mm, how do we find this? Um, Well, first place, bloody hell. It's a pretty good time. He won by uh, 23 minutes. So winning a race by a dojo domination. And in time of 8.22.55 as an age grouper. Fernando Malouf uh, took it out from Jimmy Sosinki. It's a female's race? Um, you know, I think we might struggle to find. I, I forgot my phone. I was saying to Bevan before, on the, the phone app, you can no, just I divide might, by males females. and females. But anyway, his times, were, oh, they must have had a short swim. Chattanooga, I think, is a downriver swim. But still, oh, okay. he, he swam 38, rode a 4.39, and then ran a 2.59. Still a very impressive bike run split. He had on, tw- he had on sort of a good 20 minutes for the swim. It's still an 8.44. Bloody impressive. I can't really find it. It's a bit, it's a bit crappy here, John. Because you can only go a female age group. Let's just pick a random female age group. What, what age group do we think took it out? The 30, 34s maybe? That's what you'd think, isn't it? Let's but have a quick look. We you you look at the look. 25 to 30. 30, 34, she went 10, 20. And if we look at the 25 to 29. Yeah, okay, it's not loading. So I've got the 35 to 40 and it's 10, 48. So it's definitely the okay. one in the middle. Well, this is, yeah, yeah you are into Weber's uh, really fast today. No, it's not. You know, it was a th- I'm pretty sure it's 30 34. Okay. We'll, give, we'll give it to her anyway. What's her name? Uh, her name is Kirsten Laurue. She took it out 10 hours, 20 minutes, and 30 seconds. Finished 60th overall. Uh, and yeah, I think she did. It says division rank and gender rank first. She swam 44, biked a 546, and then ran a 340 for a 1020. That's interesting. Two hour difference between the first male and female. Yeah, that's a big difference, isn't it? Big difference. Yep, you don't see that often. Alba Man also happened in, uh, where is that, John? Alba Man is in, on an island off uh, Italy. Okay, we had Maximilian uh, Clem Umira. <laughs> and the men's, he took it down 9.32. And then Anna Mulder in a 11.42. It's enough to our win. Again, two hours, 10 <laughs> difference there. <laughs> yeah. Females, pick up your game. Pick up your game. Okay, Jombo. Oh, wait, I see I've got rid of my show notes. Okay, so there you go. So let's go into what's coming up. Not much, really. Kona is a few weeks away now for our female pros. So uh, there is a few other races coming up. Um, we've got Florida, Portugal, Israel, Cozumel, and Western Australia that are on the horizon, but nothing sort of in the next week. Uh, I'm in Barcelona, age group only races this weekend. Um, but we do have some short course racing to look forward to. Great, it'll be a great time zone for us Kiwis, probably Bevan. Uh, Super League Malibu is on this weekend. Uh, and then the grand finale is a couple of weeks later in October. Um, we should expect to see some stronger fields this weekend in Malibu. However, I have read that uh, we may have some course challenges because of, I think, recent flooding and stuff in Malibu. So hopefully they get to run it as a swim bike run mm. um, because they have a big age group race there as well. So fingers crossed the... Um, 
they were able to have the swim over there. Okay, this week's discussion. Discussion was, do you think it's a good idea to have the split world championships between sexes? What are the advantages and disadvantages of the way things are going right now? So Richard Swanino has got, there is a risk that the second event will have a massively smaller field and less exposure. And then Scott Horn goes, that will happen. Unfortunately, the Hawaii Tourism in Kona, they will be lucky to see 30% increase on their daily revenue. The reality that limiting the race to one gender cuts off the family connection and the extended family participation. The community hated WTC multiple days of racing. Of course they did. It's insane to think that you can close down things with roads for that extended period. WTC wanted more numbers and didn't and it didn't work. Instead of reverting, they changed everything. A huge fail. Lots of people said no. Alison O'Ryan says no. M- Michelle Gemmel says no. Simon Mulligan says no. It's shit. Joe Coombs says terrible. Um, so George Samuel says no. Takes away the dynamic and makes racing less interesting. However, I can see why they did it in Kona. The island can't handle that number of athletes that qualify. Scott Horn's actually got his own post here. He's got no. By the time how Kona rolls around, half the attention of the women's field won't be remembered to tune in. Jan's friendly knows the Ziff rant was spot on. The separation is not needed. The only reason this is occurring is because WCC wants to increase the numbers at the World Championships. So they they diminished the race by expanding participation who in the past would have not been there by doubling the field size. In the NRL, it is only two teams that make it each year. What a sport. Accept it or move on. Mark Thompson says, absolutely not. World Championships are for champions, so there should be a complete rethink about the structure of the World Championship race day. Small numbers, men race one day, women the other day, swap the order the next year. Same venue, but different uh, races, much like they do with the PTO. And yes, World Champs venue should move around, make Kona a major, in the same irk as uh, wrote. Phil Scott goes, it seems to be about greed dressed up as athlete experience. This is bollocks and is diminishing the sport. Reducing the field size by returning the qualification slots, only slots with a small roll down if needed. Have women and men's race at the same event. I'd like to know if raising the quality would attract more sponsors, which would attract better coverage. I do like the different locations though. Daniel Phillips, I'd like to see two poles, one of the ladies and one of the guys. It's a good point. Um, It seems a de facto conclusion that split races equals uh, no permanent home for Kona and that's being baked into the discussion. Hotel's got, how about uh, more age groups? No, he's packing the piss. Oh. Come on, mate, mate. we're a serious podcast. You know, Nadia McLaren's good. I think it takes away from the triathlon has been in its entire history, equal for both sexes. Women don't get the shorter course or rules adjusted. Do we want it to be it or uh, do we want it to become like a pro battalion? Uh, Peloton, sorry. Joseph Mulhall, last one I'll do. Pros and cons to both. Long term, I suspect it's good for the sport in terms of gauging opinion. It would be good to ask all Ironman athletes as they visit the athlete village as I suspect the strong opinions are in a small minority. Context is everything. Tim Martindale's got, it was nice watching the women, women have their day. No, we haven't actually had their race yet, so maybe he's saying... Well, last year we had the two-day Oh, format. okay. I would bet that the women will enjoy not getting beaten up by the men in the swim. It will be interesting to see which pro females go to Nice in 2024. Just like the men's race, a lot of the top pros didn't race. I believe that Kona is the pinnacle of our sport. Having two races six months apart in Kona is maybe a better option. 
So let's go back to the question. So we might, because a lot of people commented on different things and often it becomes a bit. So the question was, tone. do you think it's a good idea to have split races for the world championships and what are the advantages and disadvantages based on sexes? And I don't think we've really had anybody that in here that says having it at two venues is a good thing. The only thing is we haven't had the female race yet. No. So maybe we're judging it a little bit early. Yeah. Because let's be honest, I'll, I'll race say they're pretty good covering both sexes in the pro race. Mm-hmm. You know, but it'd be interesting to see if the females enjoy the fact they get better attention, a full day of attention in Kona. From a, from a spectator's point of view, no, from a participant's point of view, I reckon the two-day format would be good. If I was a female, you'd get a much cleaner race and, and hopefully um, hopefully there'd be less numbers, so you get a, a fairer race as well. For me as a spectator, these two-day format races, whether it be PTO or um, Ironman, is not luring me in in terms of I don't want to dedicate two days to watch two races. You know, it's just too much time. But are you saying and, back to back, or do you? No, mind? I'm saying um, have it on the same day. One one day, both genders, um, male and female. The downside, the big downside of that, is the females don't get the same sort of attention, and both races don't get the same sort of attention. Yeah. You've only got, say, for example, they have four cameras out there, two on the men, two on the woman, or three on the guys, one on the woman moves around, whatever it is, but you don't get to see those races individually and that has pros and cons because sometimes you're watching the men's race nothing happening or there might be something happening in the women's race so you can actually keep that you know there's there's two races happening at the same time so I like that aspect of it but uh, I just think it is idiotic to have men and women at different locations and the two-day format I don't uh, whilst in theory I think it's good I don't think there's many locations it's going to work for. And for me as a spectator, I'm not going to watch two races back to back. Did a bit last year with, with Hawaii. but I So don't are you saying you won't watch the female race? Uh, no, I'm saying I will. But if, if they went back to having oh, males and females at the same venue on two days. days. The difference, I suppose the one thing they did well in Hawaii was it wasn't back to back days. Yeah, um, day it was like a Thursday and a Sunday or whatever it was. Yeah. Whereas with the PTO races, I am finding that a bit of a struggle to go, I'm going to watch you know, three hours on Saturday and then three hours again on Sunday. I kind of want to watch just three hours uh, or, or have the race split by whatever, 45 minutes so you can be watching both at one time. So that's kind of where, where I sit, um, I just think. Well, so here's a question for you. So if we look at, traditionally how many people do we get racing Kona? Well, the, the, the capacity, well, it's not. The, the number they put on there is about two two thousand two hundred, two thousand three hundred. Is sort of as many as they'd have racing in one single day. Okay, and and how many did we have in Nice? Uh, it was in that sort of vicinity. It was. I, I seem to remember it was about two thousand one hundred. And, and we're there. predicting twelve hundred for Kona, maximum. So they put on two. That's races. a guess, actually. That's not a stat. That's a guess. Although they charge a premium for these races, I'm just yeah. kind of thinking, where's the gain? You mm. know, what's been the gain for Ironman out of this? Now they've probably got a thousand more competitors out of it. And they've they've cleared a lot of backlog from legacy, legacy like slots. Yep, yep. Um, I imagine. But they, so the gain is they they can get a thousand more competitors racing in a world championship. Mm, so they get too much too lots of attention in a year because mm. now you've got the attention that we put in August for the boys and then in October for the girls. Um, you would argue it's a better pro race, particularly for the females. What do you mean? It's a much fairer race for the females now because you're not racing with age group men at the same time. Yeah, that's been that way for a long time. No, but now they don't have that. Mm. So it's much, you know, other than the Kona a couple of years ago, that was mm. the first time. So, you, you know, in the old days, you get a girl who's not a good swimmer, mm-hmm. she's going to pick a guy, she's going to do all right. Yeah. Whereas now, if you're mm-hmm. not a good swimmer, 
your game might be over. Mm-hmm. So it's a much fairer race for the female pros. Um, the athlete experience, I think for the female, maybe less. Well, because there'll be a lot less people there as well. Yeah, just the yeah. atmosphere. And you heard guys commenting in Nice. It was weird not having Well, actually, interesting. There. A guy I know who went over to Nice, I was having a chat to him the other day. I said, what was it like? He was he was not racing. He was a particip- mm. he was supporting some people. Right. He said, um, security was a real problem because the, he said the French are so anal about security. Like, mm. to get into the supporter zone, mm-hmm. getting in was a real hassle. And mm-hmm. uh, he said it became a bit of a dog that you didn't even want to go into the zone. Mm. Uh, he said watching watching the run was a bit of a hassle. Mm-hmm. So he said the, the actual spectator experience wasn't phenomenal, mm-hmm. so much so that he wasn't sure he'd go back to be a spectator at the race. Mm-hmm. So there was definitely some issues on that front. And he said that uh, feedback from guys he knew around the course was that the bike course was quite dangerous. You know, he said yeah. that people were feeling quite unsafe. Mm. You know, A, because of roads, cars on the road, mm. and B, skill. He just said that mm. a lot of people didn't have the skill. Um, that was the feedback he got from being there. Um, so, yeah, so for me, the gain to Ironman has been, well, they've got a 1,000 more athletes, maybe 1,500 more athletes during the race. Mm-hmm. They are charging a premium for that race. I do think it's a better female pro race mm-hmm. than when they're, they're split days mm-hmm. or at least split races. But do I think it's a... I think I do think it's better if you have it to get, and I do think we've diminished the world championship. Mm. You know, yep. like you know, you, getting like when we were doing it, when I got to Kona, mate, that was a big thing. Mm. You know, and I, like I, I think I got fourth, and I, I had to wait for the roll down, mm-hmm. and it was pretty scary. And you know, I made this commitment, wanted to get it, and you know, and I got it, but it was, you know, whereas we're hearing guys, you know, who are getting. 15th to 20th getting roll down slots, and that's the same for the females for for well, Kona females would be worse, won't it? Uh, yeah, it was rolling a long way. Yeah. yeah. So it kind of kills the prestige a little bit. Mm-hmm. So it's killing the prestige. It's maybe diminishing the overall experience. Yeah, I think. Could they go back to just one day of Kona? It's not going to happen. I think it's a backwards, that's a backwards step. I think we, we want to see majors. We want to see you know, maybe three different venues. We've often said this, a bit like most other sports. You have Kona, you'd have Nice, and you'd have one other venue, and you try to get as many people racing those three majors in terms of the pros. So probably yeah, only do two, but a bit like the PTO tour. But do you do majors and one's a championship every year? Yeah, you'd so r- you rotate nice. it around. Nice, Kona, and somewhere else. Yep. Uh, and you just keep that, and then they'll they'll keep that prestige because, but it's, yeah, like golf. I hate comparing to golf because we're nothing like golf. But you know, you, in tennis, you got well, four majors. That's the big. That's the big ones you sort of peak for, and um, they're not going to get people probably doing all three. Well, they, they, they'll get some, but you know, it'd just be nice to have a couple of majors each year where everyone rocks up. And then it moves around and it keeps it fair for the pros. My, in my perfect world, that's what I'd love to see is maybe three majors and at the World Championships, you have the um, pros racing on one day, <clears throat> like an afternoon, evening race, multi-lap, and then the age groupers race the next day. Do you think Kona could work if you changed the course? No. The, the way you could do the bike differently? No. A lap course? Oh, you could do a... Because uh, I'm just thinking traffic management. For, for pros, you could, but for age groupers, no. Yeah. Mm. Okay, uh, this leads quite well into this week's discussion. If you never raced Ironman World Championship in Kona, would you still consider going if the race was a regular Ironman with no professionals and no qualification to enter? So basically, it's not the World Championship. There's, it's pretty low-level field. Um, it's still a pro race? No, no, no pro race. Oh, so it's just total age group race? Just like an age group weekend. race. Look, okay. Yeah, we've got them all over the place these days. Okay, that's a question. Okay, here we go. Mm. Would you, would you go? Okay, John, let's go to your quiz question. question. How many branded Ironman races are there in the USA? 
I was thinking about this last night. That's a good question. Yeah, so how many Ironman races that are branded, you know, Ironman, are there in the USA? In the USA. Mm. Okay, Jombo, let's go to each group of the week. We're pulling random ones from random races. No, so. no we're just going to go the, give a bit of love to the winners because we have had quite a few age group only races uh, okay, coming you go, up. Okay, you go of, Copenhagen, I'll do Cork. Okay, uh, so Copenhagen was quite some time ago. It was uh, 18th of August um, and Bevan's interweb is just on fire today. Yeah, no, and because I haven't got my phone... We're just gonna holy shit! It was a pretty close finish for the boys. Uh, we'll just have to t- scramble a bit for some of the females because you can't just go by by gender, unfortunately. But on the boys' side, uh, both very fast times, but there was only forty five seconds between first and second. They went eight sixteen, so I'm thinking there was going to be a short swim here. Joachim Krauth from Germany took that out, and he did. No, it wasn't short swim. Jesus, uh, fifty nine minute swim. Biked 4.29 and ran a 2.41. That's accurate. That's bloody impressive. Uh, for an 8.16.13. Holy crap balls. That was fast. Uh, well, how, about, how about you try to try and feed while I do the mail for Cork? Sounds good. Okay, so Stephen Derrick uh, took it out in an 8.13. He won by 13 minutes over George Martindale. Uh, he, he, whoa. He did a, let's have a look, he did a swim of, oh, it was a short race, so that's why it's so fast, so it was 8.13 overall, a 15.57 swim, a 4.50 bike, which is pretty smoking, and then a 3-hour 19 bike run, sorry, for a time of 8.13 and 52 seconds. Back to Copenhagen, first female was Sophie Dedrickson, I think, uh, and she did a 102 swim, she was in the 25 to 29 age group. 4.45 on the bike and a 3.17 for a 9.10.43. Again, okay. pretty bloody fast. If we go to Cork for the UK. We have Lucy Foreman. She took it out in a sub-10 and 9.57.27. She did a 19.35 swim, a 6.01 bike, and then a 3.26 for a 9.59 overall. Now, did Ironman, I'm going to be intrigued here, Ironman Montremblant did happen. Ironman Canada that got cancelled in Penticton. Okay. So on the boys' side, it was a six-minute victory on home soil for Elliot Oliver Perlin. Nice. 906.44. He swam 103, got a bit dominated in the swim, then did a 4.47 and a 3.07 for a 9.06. Not the fastest course there in uh, Mont-Tremblant. Looks beautiful. Good on him. Okay, we had challenge, oh sorry, Ayman Vici, uh, Perey Pere Rafat took it out in a time of, he did a 9.07, did a 1.04 swim, a 4.51 bike, and then a 3.06, pretty complete performance really for a 9.07, he took out the males race. And then back to Mont-Tremblant, uh, I think in the 30-34, Chelsea Oh, no, no, some other age group must have crushed it. She won that age group, but she was only 11th overall. Maybe it's the 35 to 39s. Let's have a look, see. Uh, God, no, Bevan, you go for something because I'm, uh, I'm battling here. Well, mine's a bit, mine's a bit, okay, no, I think mine was, the age group winner was in the 35 to 39, uh, and she tweeted in a time of, so this is back to Ayman Vici, uh, Ananas, Robin, uh, she was French as well. She did eleven twenty, and she did a she did a gender rank of one overall. She did eleven twenty four, one hundred four swim, a six eleven bike, and then a three fifty six run. Well done. I'm just gonna, 
oh no, come on, Iron Man, pick up your game. We've got to be able to sort by female, female only. I'm just going to have to go for the 30-34 winner. Uh, she won the age group category anyway. She swam 54. She biked a 5.26 and ran a 3.33 for a 10.02.28. Uh, her name was Chelsea Bingham from the US of A. The USA, USA. Okay, John, we haven't got the other ones here, so they, they, they can do for now. We'll do the others later. So, John, yeah. we've got an interview coming up. We have. So, um, a little while ago, we did a bit of sweat testing. Um, That's right, you did too. And so, at the time, I interviewed Russell Smith who did the sweat testing um, I'll do a little intro in a moment but he's a swim coach he also does tri coaching um, he was a good athlete himself he did Kona and he's uh, done a bunch of Ironmans um, and yeah we had him test doing a bit of sweat testing so here comes Russell relatively short interview but we'll discuss it afterwards here we go Righty-ho, guys. Uh, today we have got Russell Smith on the show. Uh, Russell is a swim coach with uh, using the Swim swim Smooth um, model sort of up in Hamilton in New Zealand. So if you're over this way and you need some help with swimming, get in touch. He's also a triathlon coach. He's been an athlete himself. He's done uh, a load of Ironmans all around the world, including Kona a couple of times. And last weekend we had him down in Christchurch um, to do some sweat testing with a bunch of athletes who are sort of uh, age group is um, you know, a wide variety of abilities, some super fast, some less so, um, but I thought it'd be really useful to come on and sort of talk through what sweat testing involves, and uh, if you're in Russell's neck of the woods, you can go and see him and get it done for yourself, so you can reach him at gobeyondlimits.co.nz. So Russell, welcome along to the show. Yeah, thanks John, good to, good to be here. Okay, Russell. So in terms of the test, a lot of people think you've got to go to a, a lab when as soon as they hear the word testing and you've got to go and do some sort of FTP test and sweat the crap out of yourself and uh, and then you'll be able to figure it out. But that wasn't the case with what, what we did. So talk us through what um, a sweat test actually involves the way that you guys do it. Okay, so there, yeah, there's no exercise required, so you don't need to... You can just come along in your casual clothes. You don't need to have any. Um, you don't have to have your gym gear on. And um, what what we do is we put a little. Um, it's just a light electrical stimulator, like a little machine on your um, with two pads on your arm, which just get, is a very light electrical stimulation. Which I don't know if you felt it, but when I did it on myself, I, I didn't actually feel it. Um, and what that's trying, or what that's doing, is getting the sweat glands. Um, to sort of open up and 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 get the sweat coming out. Um, that sort of takes about that takes five minutes. And once that's finished, we then put a little uh, pod thing on your arm, just over one of those where the pads have been, and it's got a little wee, very very small uh, uh, tube in it, and that actually collects the sweat. Once. That's we've got a certain amount of that enough to put into the testing machine. We put it in the testing machine. It gives us a number uh, anywhere, you know, sort of between say twenty and. And um, once we get that result, we put it on the computer. And uh, from um, Sunday, the lowest result was six hundred thirty-five milligrams per liter of sweat, through to uh, the highest at fifteen hundred seventy-six milligrams per liter of sweat. Yeah, we'll go into those variabilities in a moment, but um, just just tell us a bit about the components of sweating because, you know, what you're getting out of this test versus the obviously the other side of it is is how much sweat. So maybe just explain that to people so they understand, you know, the components of sweating. 
the components of sweating. Well, in terms of the, in, in terms of yeah, you've got the sweat. Um, in terms, of you've got the sweat concentration and then your sweat rate. Yes. Oh, gotcha. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah. So the sweat concentration, the amount of sodium within the sweat, um, is pretty much genetically determined. So there's very little change in that. So for each person, you know, the sweat concentration is going to pretty much stay standard um, per liter of sweat that you lose from your body. But the volume of sweat can change um, depending on the conditions, but also the, the person, like, as we know, we probably know people that just sweat bucket loads, um, working at the same level as, as yourself or, you know, as um, other friends. So the volume of sweat is again is also very variable compared you know over different people oh and maybe just um you, i think you started talking about that variability um across different athletes what we saw with our results on sunday um so kind of maybe talk us through what what we saw if that's typical to what you would normally see and kind of the implications for the different athletes if they're at the lower end at say 500 milligrams per per liter of sweat or if they're at the upper end and we had some athletes that were up around sort of the 1500 mark so maybe sort of explain you know if that's pretty normal and um what the implications are for the athlete yeah um i don't see too many above the 1500 um so to get two um actually they were basically side by side guys um you know it's Normally, it, it sort of fits in that sort of 600 to sort of 1,000, 1,100 is a sort of normal. Um, the highest I've had is 1,800. And so the implications are generally like it's, it's easier to manage at the lower end. It's easier to get lower uh, if you only lose, say, 500 milligrams of sodium per litre of sweat. There's drinks just off the, off the sort of... Um, shelf drinks that you can buy that will provide you close to 500 milligrams. Um, but then there's there's nothing really out there other than um, a couple of specific ones, one being the precision hydration um, that are going to provide you with 1,500 milligrams of sodium per litre. Um, and also from what, what I've seen um, with, for those people that are getting cramps, because the higher the um, the sodium content of your sweat, as you get up over that 1,200, 1,300, the odd cramp issue, um, the guys that I've tested at 1,800, one's a uh, little trifleet about 60, probably 66, 68 kgs, yet they both lose around 1,800 milligrams of um, sodium per sweat, a litre of sweat, and they both get major cramp issues. Mm. Um, so then it's really trying to control, you know, work out the best formula to control that. Nice. Awesome. Um, and so talk us through how you, how the practicalities of it all, you know. So, guys, when we're talking about, you know, a thousand milligrams of, you know, if, if I use me as an example, I was about a thousand milligrams of uh, per litre 
of sweat. Um, so in a race situation, what's that going to mean for me in terms of, you know, what recommendations would you be giving me? So basically, we, we talk about the preload. Um, we want you to start the event um, fully, you know, maximally hydrated. Um, and then during the event, um, like depending on the length of it, uh, you want to be, you, you're going to be sweating. You know, so depending on the length of the event, will be the will dictate the total amount of sweat that you're going to lose. So for a longer event, um, you're going to lose more. So then it's a case of actually trying to replace that as much as you can. Um, but then you might you might actually be a person that um, you know when you're going quite hard over, say, a Olympic distance triathlon you might be losing one and a half to two liters per hour of sweat. Mm -hmm. So it's actually very difficult to replace that. Um, mm -hmm. It might be that you can only sort of drink about a liter. So you're going to end up that in that race a little bit dehydrated, which is not a problem as long as it's not too far down the scale that it's going to affect your performance. Mm -hmm. So with your 1,000, you know, just over 1,000, you're likely to be, you know, we're going to be give you uh, the 1,000 milligram uh, precision hydration, either the sachets or the tabs, to mix in with your drink. And um, you're trying to, you know, if you say if you're losing over a liter, then you're trying to an hour during that event, you're going to try and replace it up to about a liter of that. Mm. Um. Awesome. And in terms of the, um, so what the test has given us, that's given us our, you know, sweat concentration. In terms of working out your sweat rate, um, what's the, what's some tips and advice you give give around that? Because you, you you brought up a couple of good examples of uh, where you can maybe some do's and don'ts around that. So yeah, what's the sort of the best way to go about um, determining your sweat rate? Yeah, and that, and that's so variable depending on the conditions. Um, so like the, the precision hydration uh, guys have got a spreadsheet, which has got a, um, you know, so you weigh yourself before doing a session and you try and do that with minimal clothes on. If naked's probably the best way of doing it. You then go and train um, and you, you need to record, you know, your, the intensity that you're training at. So whether it be the run pace or power on a bike um, and, also the conditions, so it might be 20 degrees or it might be 10 degrees. And so you were trying to record as much of the um, variable conditions as you can. And so once you get back from that session, and I tell people generally to sort of keep it below around that, below those two hours, because um, in New Zealand we can get, you know, three seasons in one day. Mm. Um, and so you're trying to work out in the sweat rate within a specific, say, I want to work out what my sweat rate is from seven o'clock to eight o'clock. Generally, that's say 10 to 15 degrees. So then I don't want to go out further than that because then the temperature starts to change. Um, and then when you get back, you sort of dry yourself off or you take gear off, dry yourself off and jump on the scales and see how much you weigh. And if you've actually consumed any drink, during that time as well, you actually weigh that drink before and after to get a, a calculation of what you're losing per per hour. 
Um, you know, a classic example was with me um, in 26 degrees in here in Hamilton, doing an hour and a half run and losing one point, nearly 1.7 litres per hour, mm. um, you know, for that run. So, um, but I can't drink that much. So, you know, I'd try and drink about a litre to try and replace place, replace that um, fluid that I'm you, you losing. I thought what you made a really good point um, with regards to working out that that rate that you are sweating. You know, if, if in New Zealand conditions, it's classic, as you said. You know, if if you went for a a six hour bike ride um, and you started at yeah nine o'clock in the morning and you're finishing at three in the afternoon, your sweat rate. And if it's on a summer day, your sweat rate is likely going to be significantly different, but different between nine and three. So if you just weigh yourself and you use that as you know as an average per hour, it can be a bit misleading. So I think what Russell's point there was really good in terms of trying to work out your rate in cooler conditions, then going and doing it in hotter conditions, and then you can kind of modify that a little bit um, based on your you know your sweat rate in, in different conditions. So that's awesome. Um, any yeah, any other exactly. any other sort of tips you've got there, Russell, or anything else we haven't covered that um that you uh, think that um, people want to know about? Yeah, like we we talked about the preload, getting the body mm. um, ready for an event, um, and then there's also the recovery afterwards. But it's also it's also with the training sessions. Um, you know, if you're going to do a high intensity training session in the let's say in the evening. Um, and you're not going to have time to replace all that sort of what, what you've lost, um, but then you wanted to go and do a, a hard swim the next morning, you need to find some way of actually replacing, you know, m most of those uh, electrolytes that you lost during that session in the evening. Otherwise, mm. you know, you're not going to perform to your best the next day because you'll be, in a sense, slightly dehydrated, even though you've, um, you know, overnight you've recovered but yeah you haven't hydrated properly totally. so tra the training is a, is a it's a big one as well uh, making sure and it doesn't have to be you know like it's once you start getting out of that over an hour and a half running or say two to three hours on the bike um you definitely need to be on top of your hydration for that as well so that you can actually um do your next session the next day or, or that session in the afternoon if you train in the morning totally. awesome so if, if any Kiwis are about um, if you're in the Hamilton region uh, go and check out um, gobeyondlimits.co.nz for Russell if you need some swimming go and see him as well if you're in different parts of the country um, get in touch with Russell and see if you can get a, a group of you together that's what we did in, in Christchurch I think there was you know 12 of us or so that, that got it done Um but one way or the other, it's a, it's a really valuable piece of information um, you can use for your, for your long course racing, especially important. Well, it's important at all races, but especially if you're going to, to warmer climates. So, Russell, thanks so much for your time, and thanks for coming down at the weekend. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you at the races. Hey, thanks, John. Great to be there. So, John, what your thoughts? Yeah, so it's, um, it's good stuff doing sweat testing because most people don't do it. And, and hopefully, what is the value? Um, well, then you know 
your sweat concentration. So look, the take-home points from that interview with Russell is firstly, you need to work out your sweat rate. And you guys can all do that by yourself, but the key things are, you need to measure yourself in different conditions. So your sweat rate is is how much you're sweating each hour. So simple way to do it, we did a little um, little trial down on the when we were doing a trainer session the other day. You get on some really good scales, you, you weigh yourself without any, as you've probably just heard from Russell, you weigh yourself with next to nothing on and then you weigh your drink bottle that you're going to use or drink bottles you're going to use and then you go and do your session and then afterwards you weigh yourself but make sure you take off your wet clothing and you weigh your drink bottles and then you can work out how much you've actually uh, lost and so for example when we did that session um, it was early in the morning it was reasonably cool from memory I think I lost around about 500 mils in in a one hour session so that's in, in cool conditions if I was to go and do that in hot conditions, in a hot training session or elsewhere, it's going to be completely different. You know, I might lose a litre and a half an hour or a litre and some people might lose two litres. You can sweat a huge amount. Um, but as Russell said, really important that you go out and test in different conditions. So that's one example. Indoor trainer, lost 500 mils on a cold morning. If I go out and do a, um, you know, go out in 30 degrees, might lose a lot more. However, what you've got to be careful of, and I think this is where a trap some people fall into, they might go and do this, they might go, I'm going to go out and do a three-hour bike ride, and they'll leave at, you know, 8 o'clock in the morning when it's um, 12 degrees centigrade, and when they finish, it's going to be 25 degrees centigrade. Your sweat rate is going to be quite different between hour one and hour three. So, as Russell said, you know you probably want to limit those the, the sessions where you're doing this measurement to maybe one and a half to two hours, um, and so then you can get a realistic sweat rate for different conditions, and that's going to vary quite a lot. So that's one side of it, but you don't get that data when you're doing a sweat test. As you guys have heard, what you're going to get out of this is your sweat concentration. So um, then you're going to know you know how salty and how much electrolyte you're you're losing. So my result when we did it um, was around about 1,000 milligrams of sodium per litre of sweat. So again, then you've got to factor that into the conditions. So you go 1,000 milligrams, it's not per hour, it's per litre of sweat. So in a you know, moderate conditions, I might sweat around about a, 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 a litre and then I need to have, you know, um, in that ballpark of 1,000 milligrams of sodium per hour. If I was doing a really cool race, it's going to be, you know, quite a bit less. So you do need to play around with it based on the conditions you've got and, and factor in how much electrolyte you're taking in relative to how much you are actually sweating. And if you go to a really cool race, you've got to be um, yeah, really mindful of that. You'll sweat a lot less and so your requirements on both fronts, are going to be quite a bit less. What about regards to, you know, back in the day when um, Noakes was saying you don't really need to use electrolyte? Yeah, well, um, clearly, according to these guys, you do. And clearly, I don't know, a lot of the evidence that we see anecdotally is you do need to be taking it in. Um, but you don't need to be fully replenishing. And that comes the same with hydration, with nutrition, and with in terms of your electrolyte intake. I'm losing 1,000 milligrams per litre of sweat. I don't need to be 100% replacing yeah. that all the way through. So it's I kind can of be topping dim- up along yeah, the way. Diminish, it can be sort of you know slowly going down and just sort of topping it up, as Bevan said. So um, make sure you do have a good look at your, your, your labels because um, of your whatever you're going to be taking in because it is massively variable. So I did a quick look, look around yesterday. Gatorade Endurance, you're getting... Uh, 
300 milligrams of sodium when you're taking that in, plus you're getting you know the carbohydrate and that's about 22 grams per serving of that. Um, Precision Hydration, who Russell sort of um, does their, their products, and we've had them on the show before. They've got a number of products where it's just um, electrolyte, so they've got a 500, a thousand, and a 1500 milligram. What you've got to remember with their products is um, again that's per litre, so they have a tablet format, and it says 1500, so. In your mind, you're thinking one tablet's 1500 uh, milligrams, but it's not because it's uh, one tablet per 500 mil. So you've got to be having two tablets to get that 1500 okay. milligrams. Um, Infinite, which is what the, the product I use, um, then you can go with whatever blend. So I think when I was doing Rote, I didn't look at the label before I came around, but I'm pretty th- sure I had about a thousand milligrams per uh, serving in there. So I was on the bike pretty much replenishing. What I was uh, taking, uh, what I was using, um, the custom blend has 379 milligrams. Morton, which I know a lot of people use, that's got 200 milligrams, so it's on the lower end. And then Goo Roctane, which a lot of people use, is 320 grams. So quite a bit of variability, especially if you go to the precision hydration stuff. But if you are somebody that you get caked in sweat when you go mm. and do workouts, you really want to be having a good look at this. And we had massive variability. There's about 12 of us, I think, did this um, sweat testing. And some were, were down sort of around the 500 milligrams. My result was pretty average. I think average is sort of nine, 900 to, to 1,000. But we had some other guys that were up sort of 1,500, 1,600 um, milligrams of sodium. And those, those type of people are really susceptible to um, having issues if they don't take in, in a reasonable amount. So, yeah, in terms of for me, what I'd take home from this is I probably need to do better in terms of my preloading. So you heard Russell sort of talk about, you know, having like a 1,500 milligrams the evening before and uh, and the morning of, and that can sort of help top your levels up. Um, in terms of in-race, I think I'm pretty good, but that's probably one area where I probably could brush up on. And it's an area that people don't put enough attention into, really, is it? You know, like, to, to, yeah, really. to, you know, because... How much time did it take you to do your testing? Oh, it was an hour and a half. Yeah. And, and it was pretty inexpensive. And it's something you only need to do once. Yeah. Bad business model. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so with that in mind, and for the cost of being you know, dehydrated or, or you know, running at a salt in your bloody race, cramping yeah. up is going to cost you a lot of time. It is. You know, to have that information, then to, you know, as always, you need to practice these things in your training. But... Yeah. So I just urge all of you at least to go and work out your sweat rate. Uh, and as I said, you, know, you do that in a variety of conditions. Make sure you do it in some hot conditions as well because that's when you're obviously going to get into the most difficulty. And if you're in New Zealand, um, check out Russell. Um, I don't know that there's anybody else in New Zealand doing it, but uh, Precision Hydration website has uh, a bunch of different places you can go and get testing done. But you basically just sit there. It's not like it's, a, um, it's, not like an, it's an exercise test or anything like that. Okay, very good. Uh, one, two, oh, he's giving me the pause. Need another wee, probably oh, about the third or fourth of the day. Up and up. I got, well, here's the wee pause. He always goes to the toilet when he's at our house, and he always goes, bloody swimming. Mate, you don't swim the, you don't drink the pool. I try not to. Mate, what are you doing? I can't help myself today. These bib shorts that I've got on go really, really high, so I have to take oh. the top off. And if I had a seven-foot schlong, I'd be sweet. I'd just be fine. If only. <laughs> would help with your kick as well. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Get the whirlwind happening underneath. <laughs> Yeah, I remember not to wear these bib shorts. <laughs> Anyhow. Uh, where were we? One, two, three, four. High five. five. Okay, John ran a duathlon a couple of Sundays ago and there was very high winds. It was insane. I, might, I probably talked about it last week. I 
pretty much got there and I decided this race ain't happening. It's going to be a run-only race. And then I decided, sort of, oh, a few people actually rode out there and they said, yeah, it's pretty bad out there. But we made it out here. So I thought, and I went out on the bike and I, there was a bit of a lull. I thought, right, we're going for it. You got, you got an hour to get it done. Yeah. And in hindsight, it was a good decision. Everyone thought it was a really good challenge. Their speeds were terrible, but and they had some really windy stuff. But it was a very quiet road, so it was like no cars. So it was uh, it was pretty it was relatively safe, no accidents. But I said a couple of things before when I did the little safety briefing, and uh, good old Jeff Jackhammer Robert said, "Oh, those couple of things you said they were really helpful for me oh, out really? on the bike." So I thought that might be quite useful for you guys. I saw at the weekend, I think it was seventy point three in New York. I saw. Um, it looked pretty dicey there in terms of the winds at least the day before and so you, it's, it's a reasonable chance you're going to come to a race where it's windy and yeah, of course. Um, these days in Hawaii it doesn't get quite as windy as what it used to but we had a couple of people racing at the weekend they're going to Hawaii and I said it can get this windy out near Harvey and they said yeah it's good, good practice and that's, get, num- that's point number one is high five riding in the wind practice it Practice, practice. When it's a windy day, don't get on your Swift. Don't yeah. go, oh, you know, I just stay on my wind trainer. Wind trainers making athletes soft, aren't they, John? It is. You got to, yeah. Again, you got to be safe. But uh, I went out last Tuesday. I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday, and it was really buffeting around. But realistically, like I get it. Wellington, there's times when you can't be on the bike. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's places in the world where there's where there's a level of windiness. At least my ex-partner, she was doing the New Zealand Time Trial Championships and she got blown mm. across the road. Mm. She got smashed up. So there are moments, but generally speaking, most of the time you're going to be fine. Most of the time. Okay, number two, bend your elbows slightly, use them as shock absorbers and it helps to relax your upper body. So we see this a lot is, yeah, if you're holding on to your handlebars, uh, whether it be aero bars or you're on a standard road bike and you see people with really straight arms, um, whenever you get struck, um, there's no absorption in there and you, that's when you're going to get yourself into difficulty. And that was one of the main tips I said to people out there. Bend your elbows. Um, a, if you hit a bump, it's going to help absorb that bump. And B, if you do get that um, gust of wind, you, you know, you're not going to be in that really tight um, position. And so you should be able to ride it out a lot easier. Number three is watch the riders in front of you. And this is really uh, useful if you're in Kona or if you're in a place where it's... Um, where you're going through the cutouts and stuff. So on this particular course, it was out in the country. It was pancake flat in a sort of farming area, but there was some um, some shelter belts there where you'd be reasonably well protected, but then there was some cutouts where there was some gates and stuff. And if you're watching people when they're going along those straights, you'd you'd see the rider in front of you, and when they go past the gate, you'd get this gust, and you sort of get you would get blown into the um, the middle of the road a little bit. So watching the riders in front of you can sometimes help in terms of seeing what the wind is potentially coming up. And same applies in Kona. There's lots of cutouts out near Harvey. And if you're watching the rise in front of you, you can sort of hopefully predict if you might get a bit of a gust. Uh, number four is to be oh, mindful of the terrain. Oh, have you done that? Well, no, I kind of just mentioned that one. Okay, I wasn't listening to be, be mindful of the terrain, shelter belts, cutouts, and corners for, for, for changes of direction of wind. And this next one's quite important. With your power, be mindful of it. Obviously, you know, the great thing about power is you know what's happening with power. So if you've got the tailwind, still try sitting on your power numbers. When you're into it, try sitting on your power numbers as well. So that consistency, which is more challenging in that environment because it's kind of mm. playing around a lot more, isn't it? Oh, yeah, all over the place. Yeah. And it's really easy to get carried away into the wind. And it's really easy to be lazy with the wind. Yeah. That's where power, like I was talking about um, a runner the other day and they're doing the Queenstown Marathon. The Queenstown Marathon, for those who don't know, basically the first half, kind of a little spiky up and downs. Mm-hmm. And this is going to ask kind of flattish, but 
um, like, what was it? What was it? Stride? Stride, yeah. Do you still use it? No. Did you ever use it? Uh, I'd use it on, on the hills and stuff. It's useful it for that. Um, for me, I don't, didn't find it particularly effective. Um, yeah, but if you're running in hills, it's good. But if you're running on the flat, I'm much more on the, the game of using heart rate and pace, pace yep. and and adjusting depending on the, the wind conditions and stuff. But if you're going into if you're running hills and stuff, then it's a different story. Yeah, and, and unfortunately for running, you just don't have that great tool. Whereas with, with cycling, you've got such a good tool, which you, mm. the numbers in front of you, just stick on it. Mm. Yeah. And final point is number six is try to embrace it and enjoy it and treat it as an experience because out there I looked at some of the guys I helped with programs and the average speed was was pitiful. Oh, really? Um, but it's about you know, not, not worrying about your speed or anything like that. Just embrace it, enjoy it, and treat it as a challenge rather than you just go, today it's not about the numbers that much. You know, yeah. um, Yes, we just mentioned power and stuff and that's important, but you're not going to be setting any land speed records and it's going to be quite variable. But just embrace it, enjoy it, and if, especially if it's a B or a C race, which for these for most people doing this event that I ran two weeks ago, it was like probably a D race for most people. But... I said to them, when you go off and do a windy race now, you'll, you, you'll just feel a little bit more confident. If you go to Hawaii, you'll go, I've got built up my skills a little bit and I know I can handle it. And you just be in that sort of positive mindset rather than shitting yourself about being um, being blown off your bike. And, and it's a skill. Mm. You know, and so go back to square number one. It's You've got to practice this to get good at it. Okay, John, let's go on to <laughs> winner of the week. Did you see this? I'm just reading go it now. To David Liversich. Yeah. I uh, sent through an email because last week we did the winger of the week and we said how he swam, was it something, 32 hour swim? And you're like, that's crap. <laughs> There's no way. Turns out he did. No. Uh, <laughs> he sent us an email. I said, hi there, Bevan and John. Um, I'm writing to defend my honour after you roasting my 32 hour travel <laughs> swim time. My watch did indeed crap out during the swim session. And if you look at it, you also see I 2K logged in the pool for the same day. Um, if. W-I-F, what does it mean? For what it's worth. Okay. Um, my longest swim is a 10K, two and a half hour swim. Nice. I'm currently training for 7.3 in Taupo in December and the fall in March. Keep up the good work. Love the show if it means I get mocked at training. <laughs> yeah. There you go. It is, um, I'm sure I've done it a number of times where you accidentally leave your watch on or something like that and you get some false data going up into um into training peaks and some people get pretty fired up about it especially if you're taking a king of the mountains or a queen of the mountains or something like that um and but how could you do there's that? some bullshit data in there it, it, <laughs> it doesn't upset me it's like you gotta let it go come on man yeah if you if you're manipulating it deliberately mm. like if you're trying to get a run record and you're riding your bike Mm. It's a different piece. Yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> okay, Julia Sparks going to be a winger of the week this week, number thirty-four. You going for Julia, local? Yeah, yeah. Well, she, I looked for Julia Sparks. Now, Julia Sparks. What, uh, what oh, is she, I'm not following her. She's Julia. You've let me down. Oh, I might be. Um, She's from Ahoka. Yeah, she is. And North Cambridge, she went to the seventy-point-three World Champs in uh, where was it? Finland. Yep, no, I'm, I'm on it, Bevan. Okay, I'm tell on me all about it. Um, so, and she also went to the Ironman World Champs last year. She yeah, she lives out in Ahoka, which is in North Canterbury. I passed you on Ahoka. Sorry? I, when I, was, when I, I remember I, we were, me and my mates went out to a party in Ahoka. I don't know how we went to a party in Ahoka. Yeah. And all the local girls from the high school there. And I remember Rangy or a high? No, it would be Rangy or would it? Yeah. Probably would be. Uh, 
and her name was Grace. Mm-hmm. And she was quite an attractive young girl. Mm-hmm. And she gave me a pass. And John, I wanted to go to Hokey every day right. after that. And then I never saw her again. That so, was the end of that story. So Julia went and did a ride last week. And one of her comments was, well, that was interesting. Even some hail thrown in as we descended. Uh, now, Julia has done uh, a camp, a little camp with me, or maybe one or two. Uh, two, actually. She is a beast on the bike. Uh, I reckon she's one of the best age group females I've ridden with uh, and extremely, yeah, she's extremely strong. She's also got a son who does training with her now as well and he's uh, Joe, he's a beast of a cyclist as well. Harold's the son. Uh, he would be first or second year uni, maybe okay, second nice, year uni. Nice. What's Julia's longest ride? She she travels a fair old amount, old Julia. Um, in terms of her biggest bike ride, I want to see what that is. Uh, unfortunately, last year she got uh, she came into our coast to coast ride when we went coast to coast to coast. Um, oh yeah. And she she made it one way. Uh, she didn't make it back the other way because she was spent the whole night on the toilet vomiting. Oh, that sucks. Uh, and I reckon that was she's, her longest ride was 254 kilometres. And I reckon... That was the day. That's what it was. It was Sumner to Greymouth. Fog, relentless headwind for 60 kilometres. A bad smash down Otero Viaduct. Wasn't her. It was one of her uh, her friend's husband. And then uh, last 60 k's on, on smooth roads. Repeat tomorrow. Hmm. Um, yeah and it took 9 hours 52 minutes moving time and we had about 2,500 metres elevation that day so Julia is a Kona qualifier local athlete 70.3 worlds she went to Kona last year I think it was last year you're our winger of the week week. okay Jombo you swim set so apparently there was no water in the pool was not drunk drunk at all. All. What did we do this morning? We did a 400 warm up, which was a um, 50 freestyle, 25 back, 25 breast, repeated. And we had three 400s pull, um, slight descent one to three. Had the old form goggles on this morning, and I was looking at my f- split for my first 400, going, My swimming has gone That's down the drain. <laughs> but, uh, however, takes me a huge amount of time to warm up these days. Uh, and then we did the, so we did three 400s, then we did. The three fifties hard kick, hundred easy IM, and then we did six two hundreds. And the aim was to get fifteen seconds rest, and you had a decreasing time we were doing them on. So we did um, two on the three minutes ten. So you're aiming to come in in two fifty five, and then three on no two on three oh five. So you're aiming to come in on two fifty, and then two on three minutes. So the aim was to come in on two. 45. Managed to hit them all, but bugger me, it was quite hard work. Uh, then we did 50 easy and then 225s underwater and then 200 warm down, 3.3 Ks. Okay, there you go. This is what's it. Okay, John, John, if you want to support the show, you can become a patron like these three people. Matt Evans is It's Too Hard. Grant the Spy Petrie. And then we've got Larry Lord Business Bucello. Pachetto. 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 Mm. Uh, if you want to become a patron, go www.iamtalk.me. It's a great way to support the show. If we're a part of your triathlon week, we really appreciate those who do support the show. Um, if you want some coaching, coachjohnson.com. Anything I do. If you're in New Zealand and you're looking for a public speaker, mm-hmm. do a lot of public, I'm doing a lot of public speaking nowadays. Right. So if you're looking for sort of motivation or that kind of stuff for your Christmas crew or anything like that, you can go to bevanjamesoz.com. Uh, any content, email iamtalkpodcast at gmail.com. Jumbo, your goss. We'll save a bit of gossip next week because we're about to record next week's show as yep. well. Um, however, feeling a bit trendy at the moment, Bevan. John, it's the haircut, isn't it? <laughs> it's not the haircut. Oh, okay. It's the shoes 
I've had these these van shoes, black with the sort of the white yeah, bit yeah, down the yeah, side. Yeah, yeah. I had them for like I don't know, at least five years, I'd say. Yeah. Thomas wants to start wearing them. He just no, he just bought a pair yesterday. Not yours, exactly the same. I said, well, that could be a little confusing when they worn out because we're the same shoe size now. I was at my daughter's when she had her leaving do from primary school last year. Went there. One of her friends was leaving uh, wearing them. I was thinking. I'm down with the cool yeah, kids. You, you, no, you're not even down. You're the trendsetter. Yeah. They came around to your house and they go, oh my God, your, your dad is so cool. Yeah, they don't say I wanna that. I want to wear clothes just like him. Yeah, they don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> they say anything far, it's going to be further from the truth. <laughs> However, it is good that Thomas is basically the same size as me now, so uh, you can just wear my What clothes. music is Thomas into? Is he into uh, music? Yeah. Uh, I don't, yeah, just pretty fairly regular stuff. Felicity listens to music all the time she is you want her on your pub quiz team when it comes to music oh really she will know everything really yeah no she's very good does she play music no does she want to uh she did music at school this year and she really enjoyed it but no no Mm. no we're not a musical family yeah it's just a school Mm. you know like i I wasn't brought up in a musical family and man Mm. i love playing music you're an apple watch now I've had it for like a year and a half. I pick these things up pretty quickly. <laughs> He's very observant. Yeah, you get those haircuts every time. Do you know what? I, I only use it for sport. Mm. You know, because I, I, I don't want anything beeping at me, so I don't have any mm. notifications on. Um, but I do like that it tracks my exercise. Yeah. And I like the, the kind of trends it teaches me about my... I like the sleep factor. One thing you can do is you can do an ECG on there. Yeah. It's quite good. It never works oh. because my heart rate's too low. Right. So what happens is because my so my resting heart rate's still under forty, mm. some you know about around forty, and like at night time I get down to 33, 34 still. Mm. So when I try to do an ECG, it always just says your heart rate's too low. All right. Yeah. So it never actually lets me do it. Mm. Yeah, which is a pain in the bum. Very good. I kind of like it. Yeah. I didn't want to get one because it's just another thing you got to buy every five years. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's just another piece of technology. Like people with houses who get all technology houses, don't do mm. it. Mm. Buy an old lock. You don't need because <laughs> four years from now the technology because technology fades so quickly. Yeah. And if you've got all these pieces in your houses that are local latest technology, five years from now you're going to have yeah. to place all of it. So mm. like, and why do you need it? Mm. Like, key works. Does. You know, that's my theory. Yeah. Um, What's yeah. happening with you, Bevan? Uh, John, you know what I've done really well. I'm quite proud. of I'm not proud of, but I've started a yoga habit. Oh, good. I need to get back. I seriously need to get back to my stretching. And you know what I've done? I've nailed it. Mm. So when I was, obviously I've been working through my back for the last few months. And then when I was in Bali, I thought to myself, I'm going to try to do yoga every day when I'm in Bali. Mm-hmm. And I managed to do it. And then I've managed to do six days a week at least, sometimes seven, since then. So basically the last three months, or maybe two and a half months. And what platform are you using? Just YouTube. And YouTube? it's only 20 minutes a day. Mm. And um, and I, I there's kind of like five or six people I find pretty good I'm, mm-hmm. I, I look for purely flexibility mm-hmm. so it's a flexibility whole body mm-hmm. um, save your people for next week's show because we might need a little more content so just okay, I'll do a high five on how to bring a, uh, and you know what and, and the YouTube channels you use because there's lots of shit on YouTube yeah you know what the, the ones I found are pretty good um, and it's really beneficial Hmm. Especially as I'm getting a little bit older, because I did notice I, I started my hip flex was so tight. I started to notice that I, as I walked, I was starting my hips were starting to push back. No, mm-hmm. I've got really good posture, but it was just you know, and it's just that tight hip flexes. Um, yeah, and literally 20 minutes. Mm. Get up in the morning. I tend to do it before I, my day starts. Um, okay, I'll do a quick high five on how to bring a yoga hip into your life. There you go. Next show. Okay, Look forward to it. Iron Russ. I mean, train hard. Train smart. Kick car. car.